You know, I asked if they would put the football game back there. But they said, no, it would be too distracting. But I think they meant for me, not for you. I actually love football. Football's in full swing, especially when the Indianapolis Colts are good. I love football. So right now, meh. But since I'm a Colts fan, that inherently means that there are some other football teams or other football players that I'm maybe not quite fond of, including the one and only Tom Brady. Why wouldn't I like arguably the greatest quarterback of all time? I said arguably. I've never argued that Tom Brady wasn't a good quarterback. Uh, I've actually argued quite the opposite. The fact that Tom Brady is a good quarterback is the reason I dislike him. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, I hold a grudge. Tom Brady beat the Colts 12 times in the regular season and four times in the playoffs. Four times. We only beat him once, and that was a glorious day. But in five playoff matches, he actually threw for over 1,000 yards, six touchdowns. But I'm not a fan of him for one very clear reason. It's not because he was good. It's not because he won Super Bowls. It's not because of his life or anything like that. He beat the Colts. Only reason. I sometimes have people try to argue with me, and they say things like, well, Tom Brady was great for the game of football, blah. Like he's, he's the goat, man. He was so fun to watch. Not for me. Absolutely not. I'm not a fan of Tom Brady, and I will never be a fan of Tom Brady because he beat the Colts too many times, he won too much, and I found it annoying. I didn't like it. Do you have a silly grudge kind of like that in your life somewhere? Maybe it is a different football player that beats your team, or maybe it's, I heard this story here recently of an ex-boyfriend that's actually a pretty good guy, and they broke up like 35 years ago, and she's like, he's the worst. And I'm like, is he? Like, do you know him anymore? I don't know. The bitterness can run pretty deep, can it, in, in our lives? There's silly bitterness about all sorts of things, not being treated right in a restaurant. Have you ever had a restaurant give you bad service? Like, I, there's a restaurant here in town that uh, I just am like, I will never go back. This place doesn't exist to me. And every single time I go because somebody else wants to go or there's a reason to go, it's not great. And I'm like, this is why we can't have nice things. Like, this is why. <laughs> and, and sometimes, even though bitterness can be kind of silly and we can hold silly grudges and stuff like that, there's times in our lives that bitterness is actually pretty justified, at least we think. Do you have an example like that in your life? One that is the significant thing in your head and in your heart and it impacts you like somebody in your past Maybe somebody was incredibly mean to you, mean-spirited, or just they never owned up to their behavior. They never apologized for the thing. This is the stuff that movies are made about. Has someone ever abused you? And then that's not okay, and you feel justified in in thinking that. And, And you're right, it's not okay. Or someone was so nasty to you in a conversation or abandoned you or whatever that it comes back to mind, and all you feel is just anger and angst and bitterness towards that person. Bitterness can be rooted in all sorts of different things. Bitterness can be rooted in what somebody said or didn't say, what somebody did or or didn't do. Oftentimes, though, it just starts with just someone or something hurting us, and it makes us mad, and, and a little seed is placed into our heart, and it just starts to grow. Or maybe you're bitter with God. 
He's the one who didn't show up, right? He's the one who didn't provide. He's the one who didn't save or didn't correct or didn't guide or didn't take away or didn't give or whatever the way that you would hope. And bitterness is just there in your head and in your heart. Now we're in the second week of a series we're calling Untriggered. And today we're talking specifically about this bitterness, which is really anger growing and growing and growing in our heart and making us bitter in a way that makes us go from happy-go-lucky to just really angry in zero seconds flat. The Bible actually speaks directly about bitterness, about this version of anger. And it doesn't actually look very pretty for those of us who who like to hold a grudge. So check this out. This is Hebrews 12, starting in verse 14. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Here's the second part. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And so these two verses are kind of two different things happening at the same time. So we're going to kind of break them down verse by verse. We're going to start with 14, then we're going to talk about 15. And verse 14 talks about peace. So we'll put verse 14 back up. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life, one that pleases God. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. So living with other people, having a relationship takes work. That's part of what this is saying. And some of you are like, relationships take work. Don't I know it? Like if you had heard the car ride over here, you would know that. But this is telling us our goal is really to live in peace with other people. And living with peace with other people takes work. It's a difficult thing. Actually, I think that this is a pretty high expectation. Living in peace with everyone. I mean, everyone. So that means I have to live in peace with Tom Brady. Almost threw up. We have to put in effort. The effort is important, actually. It's a holy effort. And I believe our relationships, and if we have bitterness in our heart, our peace in our heart, impacts our spiritual lives. It impacts the way that we interact. It impacts the way we view ourselves. It impacts the way we view other people, and it impacts the way that we interact in our relationship with God. Bitterness is a huge deal. So now let's look at verse 15. So this is kind of, now what do you do? Well, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. So verse 15 kind of helps us know what it means to work at living in peace. So it says, look after each other, like interact. This is a relational thing. This is a community thing. You can't have peace with one another without being with one another. So it takes each other to do this. But then the shoe drops. And I think that this is an incredibly important phrase. It says, watch out! And I think it is that level of intensity. It's like, wait, wait, don't do it. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness might grow in your heart. This verse comes with alarm bells. It's like a siren. It's like red alert. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Watch out. Heads up. So this reminds me of when you're screaming at the top of your lungs and 
you know, maybe you're screaming at the, the movie that you're watching. Have you ever been in that situation where you're like in a movie theater, maybe it's a horror movie, and somebody's watching, you know, like the Chainsaw Massacre guy go, and they're like screaming, don't go in there. Why are you going upstairs? Like find exits. Like what are you doing? It's that type of just screaming desperation. Please, please, please watch out. That's the warning. Watch out for what? Why is it that important? Well, I think it explains. It says bitterness is not a good thing because bitterness is poisonous. It rots us from the inside out. I recently had food poisoning. Have you ever had food poisoning? I don't wish it on anyone. Except Tom Brady, probably. I... But there's this moment, like, have you ever been in that? You know, like you wake up in the middle of the night or whatever, and like you, you can't move. You don't want to breathe. You're like focused on one point on your ceiling because you, you're like, if I don't move, breathe, exist, maybe this will go away. Like, it's that type of thing. And it's debilitating. I got food poisoning from a local restaurant, a different local restaurant. Guess where I'm not going for lunch today? Right? Because I want to avoid that feeling at all costs. Like no matter what, I want to avoid it. But bitterness in relationships feels maybe a little different than that. It does poison us. It does paralyze us. But it's a little different because we have control over it. We actually know or can know that it's happening. I I have never gotten food poisoning and been like, this food poisoning tastes delicious. I'm going to eat it anyway. Like, of course not. But we do that with bitterness. I've heard it described like this. Maybe you have too. Bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to die. How absurd. Bitterness is poisonous. It's dangerous. It's destructive. And it grows in our gut. And it makes us so nauseous that we can't move. But did you notice that it's not just poisonous to the individual, to us. So we're going to put verse 15 back up. This is, this is how it describes it. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous, terrible root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. See, verse 15 helps us understand that it impacts everybody around us. Bitterness is not just poisonous to us. It can be poisonous to our spouse, to our family. And we, we know that this is true, right? We've been around the bitter person. Or maybe we've been the bitter person. What's the phrase? Misery loves company. Have you ever been around somebody that's just so Debbie Downer unhappy with life that you start to go, you know what? Maybe life is really crappy. Bitterness doesn't just poison us. It poisons those around us. When we're so angry and we're so bitter, it impacts those relationships. It impacts our view of God. It impacts the way that we're interacting with ourselves. So not only is bitterness poisonous, it's also contagious. So what tempts you toward bitterness? Is there something in your life right now? Is it a relationship? Maybe you're jaded. You've been hurt and you've completely written off certain types of relationships. You're like, men, yuck, women, yikes, you know, whatever. Have you ever had trouble trusting people? 
Do you, you feel like I can't trust them? I can't be vulnerable with them because somebody's hurt me in the past. And because I'm afraid of getting hurt again and I'm bitter towards this person, it's really difficult for me to have a healthy relationship. This happens, you know, in, in marriages. This happens between parents and kids all the time. Maybe there's bitterness towards the world or towards like your job or something like that. You're just angry. You're frustrated. You're like, I can't seem to get ahead. They're not treating me right. The world is stacked against me. You don't understand how difficult my life is. It feels so isolating. It feels so lonely. Or maybe you have bitterness toward the church. You've been hurt by the church, by people in the past, I have two. And boy, do I understand kind of how complicated that is because the church is made up of people and people sin, but the church is also made up of people who are trying to love other people and say that all the time. And it's weird and it's complicated and church people have hurt me too. And it's not okay and it's difficult, but it leads us to be bitter and it, it just poisons the way that we view church or the way that we view God or the way that we view other people. And sometimes we have that bitterness toward God. And we ask questions that he can handle, by the way. But we ask questions like, why didn't you show up when I needed you to show up? Where were you when the illness hit or the abuse started or the divorce happened or the infertility lingered? Like, where were you? And that bitterness is anger. And we are just so frustrated with God. It's poisonous. It's contagious, and it impacts the way that we view each other. It impacts the way we view the world. It impacts the way that we view God. And we desperately want to wait out, right? We Like when you have food poisoning, you just don't want it anymore. You're just like, get it out of me. We want to live in peace, like verse 14 says, and we'll work at it, and we have to figure out, okay, what do we do? This poisonous root of bitterness growing in us, how do we deal with it? What does it look like to work towards peace like it's saying? So that's what we're going to talk about the rest of our time. How in the world to find peace in a bitter world. And so here's the first one. We expose the bitter root. Have you ever been to a doctor's appointment and they do blood work? So if you're under 35, you've never done that. That's probably true. But... You go to the doctor and they do blood work and then they come back, you know, later and then they talk to you about uh, the blood work. Like, and they're like, let's talk about cholesterol. And let's talk about, have you ever heard of high blood pressure? And you're like, oh, this is not going well. And your entire world changes. And all of a sudden, just because of one conversation, you're, you're, eating a completely different diet. You're living in a completely different way. You're viewing things. You're counting calories. You you are doing all sorts of things. You're exercising all because why? You became aware. That's it. That's all that changed, really. Bitterness is is similar. We're we're not always aware of it. Sin is similar. We, We aren't always aware of it. We need it to be exposed. This is Ephesians 5, starting in verse 10. This is what it says. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. That's that holy stuff we were talking about earlier. 
So we're trying to please God, but, but what do we do then? Well, we take no part in everything else, in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, what do we do? We expose them. We say, okay, we need, we need to see them for what they are. It's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be what? Exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. Learn to identify that bitterness that's growing inside of us. Expose it for the poisonous root that it is. You have to deal with it. And to deal with it, you have to know what it is. So we're going to take a little test. Just, I know that that's a triggering word, even just the word test is triggering. But we're going to take a little little test right now, okay? Just me and you, right where you are, in your head, Answer yes or no. That's it. You don't have to share. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to do anything like that. You don't have to comment about it. You don't have to tell your neighbor. You don't have to say, that's you. That's you too. That's you. You don't have to do any of that. And also don't cheat. None of this. Well, it's not yes or no. It's sometimes. It's either yes or no. Either yes or no. Okay? Here we go. We got, we got eight of these. Yes or no. Just count, count in your head. Number one, you have a grudge against someone or something. Do you? Yes or no? Do you have a grudge that you know it and you're like, I'm not going to talk about it, but yes, I do? Number two, you complain about someone or something regularly that you're like, uh, I mean, I'm not bitterness except about that guy. You know, it's that type of thing. Okay. Number three, yes or no? You struggle to be thankful without adding something negative. Do you know somebody like that? They're fun. Number five, No, number four. Number four, you've recently thought something like, I hope you get what's coming to you. Maybe you don't say it aloud, but you think it. You're like, I see you over there, and I hope you get what's coming to you. Number five, you're jealous of good things happening to other people or or to someone specifically. Yes or no? Do you ever do that? They're like, you know, they were not nice to me, and now this is happening, and they got what they deserve. Number six, you know someone you should forgive, but you just can't quite bring yourself to do it. Somebody come to mind? Yes or no? Number seven, you often don't think people understand you or appreciate you. You're like, I'm putting in all this effort and they just don't notice or they don't see it. And, and that's, that's maybe a symptom of, of bitterness. Number eight, last one. Yes or no? Counting along? You got, you got your you know, fingers in your head, okay? Eight. You blame others for a good for a thing going wrong before you blame yourself. You blame somebody else. This is going wrong in the world or in my life, and it is their fault. Not mine. Couldn't be mine. So how'd you do? You ready to score it? If you said yes once, just one measly yes. You need to pause because you might have some bitterness in your heart. See, it's that easy to have like a seed of bitterness. And now it's exposed. So what do we do? So we expose the bitter root. We're like, yes, it exists. It is here. So here's, here's the second thing we do. We dig it out. We've exposed that bitterness. The light has hit it. And do you have some? You feel some anger towards somebody? You have some harsh words for them? You talk behind their back? Whatever it is. 
Is the bitterness lodged there and now you know it exists and we remember the food poisoning analogy. So we have bitterness and it's in us and we need to, you know, we need to, we need to, bleh, we need to purge it. We need to throw it up. We need to get rid of it. We need to dig it out. This is Ephesians 4.31. This is a great verse. Get rid, get rid of it. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Try to fit something in there that, like it, it's all of the bad things is what he's saying. But it starts with get rid of all bitterness. And do you see that this is a list of emotional things in a relationship? This is all relationship. You got bitterness in your heart, it poisons you, it enrages you, it angers you, it causes you to speak harshly, even slanderously, and it's contagious and it impacts other areas of your life. And so get rid of it. So we expose it, we actually have that bitterness in our lives, and then we purge it, which starts with wanting to get rid of it. And I'm going to pause just a second and say something that I think is pretty important in this conversation. Some of us don't want to get rid of our bitterness. We might act like we do, but when push comes to shove, we don't want it to get out. And it's not because of maybe some of the reasons we think, but we like it or it protects us or we think it does. There are reasons. We feel alone and we think bitterness protects our heart. Bitterness can be cynical and angry, but it doesn't protect our heart, not the way that we think it does. And we feel angry or we've been hurt and we don't know how to deal with it. So we feel this hurt or this anger or this confusion and we want other people to know how much they've hurt us. That's bitterness. We don't want it to be okay for other people to hurt us. It's not, but we abandon relationships and we want them to feel what we feel or we don't understand why church people make us angry, so we're like, well, I'm just not going to deal with that. Or we go, God didn't show up when we needed him most, and I'm angry about it, and bitterness takes root, and it almost fills the void, almost fills the void that peace is trying to fill. But it's empty, and it's poisonous. And it might feel good on the way down, but bitterness is no good. It poisons us from the inside out. So we expose it and we decide. We say, yes, I'm going to get rid of it. So how do we get rid of it? How do we go about doing that? Well, here's the very next verse in Ephesians. It says, get rid of all of this bitterness. And here's Ephesians 4.32. It says, instead, be kind. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And we're going to talk about forgiveness in depth, a whole message on it in a couple of weeks. And that's definitely a big part of getting rid of bitterness. But I want to focus on those two little words, be kind, and how I think that kindness can just completely expose and uproot and purge and get rid of that bitterness. So that's the third thing we're going to do. We're going to replace it with kindness. We see it, we know that we want to get rid of it, we start digging it out, and we replace it with something else. And this seems simple. Honestly, it is simple. We just, 
it is really hard to do. And I believe people who follow Jesus should be extravagantly kind. Extravagantly kind. And I'd define kind or kindness as the act of being considerate and careless. Not careless. Selfless and caring. That makes more sense, doesn't it? Being kind is, have you heard this? Treat others the way you'd want to be treated. That's from the Bible. And I think it's describing love and kindness. It happens to be a fruit of the Spirit. Your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are all good things. Things that we should strive for. Things that come from our relationship with God. Not bitterness. And it's really hard to be kind and be bitter at the same time. So to be clear, kindness benefits us in a pretty significant way. Actually, scientifically, it says that it benefits us. Did you know that being kind to somebody increases serotonin and dopamine levels in our brains? So those are neurotransmitters, kind of the way that our brain chemistry works, responsible for creating feelings of peace and satisfaction. Kindness does this. Kindness literally changes the way that our brain works. Kindness also increases social connection. It boosts feelings of community. So I want to make a distinction here, and I think it's a pretty important one. Being nice is different than being kind. They're both ways that we interact with people, right? But kindness beats out niceness any day of the week. So here's what I mean. I'm going to try to define those a little bit for you. Being nice is never saying anything or doing anything that ruffles feathers or makes somebody angry. You're like, well, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And that's not true. It's not true. Because sometimes the best thing that somebody needs is hard, kind truth, right? Niceness is being agreeable, But kindness is being available. It's much deeper than that. Niceness is kind of the auto-response. You good? Yeah, I'm good, bro. But kindness is intentional. It's hard to be kind in a split second. Niceness is in word only. But kindness is in action. You have to live it out, not just say it. Niceness avoids difficulty. To be nice, we mean like we're not even going to talk about it, we're not going to deal with it, but kindness does what is best, including a difficult conversation, even if it's difficult, even if it can damage a relationship. Do you see the difference? Niceness can be, and almost always is, inauthentic, but kindness is incredibly authentic. So you're dealing with poisonous roots, we expose them, then we decide yeah, we're going to get rid of them, and then we need to be kind and I was thinking about, well, what's the challenge? Like, how do we go about doing this? So this, this is, I mean, what we came up with. It's not going to blow you away at all. This is what it says. Be kind every day this week. And it gives me a chuckle because I'm like, what are you going to do on day eight? You're like, I'm done. No more kindness. Deuces, I'm out. Like, what are you going to do? I don't know. But bear with me. Intentionally, this week, seek a way to be kind. Maybe outside of what you normally do. Be considerate. Be selfless. Be caring. Here are a couple of ways it, it could look. Kindness can look like forgiveness. Like I said, we're going to talk about that here in a couple of weeks. But if you need to forgive, it, it's not a bad thing. It's a healthy thing. It's actually kind for yourself and it's kind for them. Or maybe 
asking for forgiveness is the kindness that you need to extend. We're okay sometimes talking about our need to forgive. We are really not okay with needing to be forgiven. So kindness can look like forgiveness. Kindness can look like serving someone else. Call a friend, send a letter, send flowers, especially if it's not in your normal rhythm. It's not a typical thing that you would do. Serve someone else because kindness is intentionally putting someone else's needs in front of your own. But let me give you the harder version of this challenge. What does it look like to be kind to the person you have bitterness toward? What's it look like to be kind to the person that comes to mind when you're bitter? Because you feel that bitterness and you've exposed it and you're working to own it and to deal with it and you're looking for ways to be kind and maybe especially for the person that's causing the bitterness in your heart, that's where the kindness needs to go. And I'm not saying cross boundaries and I'm not saying go into unhealthy relationships or anything like that. What I'm saying is sometimes we need to address it head on. And listen, we've received the greatest kindness in history through Jesus and the cross. Remember the end of Ephesians 4.32? We've already read this. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Because of Jesus, we're forgiven if we place our trust in him, if we surrender our lives to him, this is why we're able to be kind, even to people who are nasty to us. This is our motivation. We understand what it's like to receive kindness that we don't deserve. We understand what it's like for God to love us so much and for Jesus to willingly step into our place and intentionally love us right where we needed it. So this week, we choose to be kind because God was so good and so kind to us. Not nice, not bitter. We expose that bitterness. We purge it out by being kind intentionally, maybe to a person where it might not come as naturally. I believe that kindness directly battles bitterness. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, this is one of those, this is one of those things, one of those conversations that uh, we get. We just don't do it. I don't. Sometimes, sometimes we don't do it because of all the reasons that we're talking about. Sometimes we don't do it because we don't know it's there. Sometimes we we don't do it because we just don't know how. So right now, in this in this moment, right now, we're just going to pray to you. We're going to ask for your help. Help us identify and expose that bitter root that poison that's inside of us. Help us be able to see it and understand it and know where it's coming from. Then help us be motivated to do something about it, to not just push it aside or allow it to grow, even to comfort us at times. Like we ask for you, your help to get it out of us. And we, we want to be so extravagantly kind, even in times and in situations and in relationships that other people who don't understand kind of that love of Jesus might go, I don't understand what's happening here. So extravagantly, attractively kind. And I know, I know, I confess to you right now, I fall way short of that, way, way short of that. It's sometimes in vogue to be 
cynical or sarcastic or angry. So right now we just, we place that all at your feet and we're so grateful, we're so thankful for your kindness towards us, for your grace, for the cross and how the cross is in the end of the story, that there's an empty tomb and there's hope and peace because of who you are and what you've already done and what you're doing. You are good. You've been kind. Help us live that out in our relationship with you, the way we view ourselves, the way we view others. We love you and we're thankful for Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.